This is WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Hello, welcome to WSFI Spotlight. I'm your host, Joan McHugh. Today my guest is Lisa Malednik. She's a, a wife, a mother, a Catholic author. She has an amazing story to tell, so hold on to your seats, everyone, and get ready for a wonderful adventure while I interview Lisa. She, in 1992, she was a New York City actress, and she was bitter at God and on her way out of the Catholic Church. But through a series of unexpected encounters, she was led to a place of healing and reconciliation and experienced a dramatic reversion to the Catholic faith. Lisa credits the Blessed Mother for leading her back to the church and to Jesus. Her book, True Radiance, Finding Grace in the Second Half of Life. We're going to discuss the book, but I'd like to begin. Hello and welcome to the program, Lisa. Hi, Joan. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I've so enjoyed reading your book and looking at your website. What I'd like to begin with is something you started early in your book. You headed up a chapter or a part of a chapter with the headline, Lost and Found. That intrigued me. I relate a lot to your story. So I'd like to begin with your reversion story and your journey back to the Catholic faith. When you say lost and found, how were you lost and what were the areas of your lostness so that listeners can relate? I was raised in a very good, devout Catholic home, a military family. We moved around a lot. We were a very tight-knit group, and my parents gave beautiful example for our lives. But I, this is a pretty typical complaint to people my age. I'm 56 years old. During the 70s, there was a lot of experimentation going on in catechesis, and our parents really did trust the parish to educate us in the faith in large part. And what was going on was extremely well-meaning. At that time, there was a, ver- a concern that the, the teaching of the faith was too dogmatic and didn't have enough heart, not enough personal connection with Christ as, as a relationship. And so the pendulum swung a little too far in the other direction. Direction. And what we were given was kind of a plush toy Jesus, I like to say, because he was cuddly and soft and very accepting and warm and beautiful, which Jesus is. But we didn't get the complete picture. We didn't learn enough about Jesus to really love Jesus for who he is, to love him for himself. It was really more about feelings, about holding hands and, and singing kumbaya kind of thing. And and of course, I do recognize that adults at that time were terrified of alienating teenagers because it was a time of such rebellion in the culture and an, sort of an anti-authority and navel-gazing kind of time in our culture that they were afraid of losing us. So everything was really soft-pedaled and sugar-coated. But what happened is that because we learned that it was kind of all about good feelings and love, We didn't put our lives in a framework that understood the cross. We didn't embrace the cross because we didn't know what redemptive suffering was. I didn't know much of anything about Our Lady. We did pray the rosary in our home during Lent, but I didn't understand her role in salvation either. And I certainly didn't understand that when we're suffering that God is closer to us, not farther away. So so I went out into the culture prepared for feeling good about things and dove right into the culture, which was a feel-good culture anyway, and got very lost that way, very confused morally and otherwise. But also when life started to become painful, I started to feel like God didn't love me anymore because I associated him with 
just good and happy feelings. So my plush toy Jesus started to feel like a fraud. And in a sense it was because it was just incomplete. It wasn't enough. Part of the, I relate so much to your story because I too experienced all that you did. And I got into marriage and when things began to fall apart, it, it, it didn't fit the, the teaching. It didn't fit the plan that I thought God had for us and that, that the church taught us. So it's, you write that you were married for seven years and you desperately wanted children, your body wouldn't cooperate, your career as an actress was going nowhere. So what happened in terms of you, you got deeper into the pain? What was that all about? Well, first, I'd just like to clarify that by this point, I had been married seven years. Now I've been married almost 31. So just because I don't always clarify that, and sometimes people think my marriage ended at some oh, point. Oh, no, no, no. I just want to be clear about that for just because I don't always express it clearly. But what happened is that because my, as you said, I was suffering from infertility, the first 14 years of my marriage, I was unable to bear a child and it was extremely painful. And for those women who go through infertility, every month is another grieving. It's always another disappointment. And so it was a very long process of being kind of ground down. But in that first seven years, also my career wasn't doing well. And I had had some rough experiences with men in college, one of which was really devastating to me and really planted the seeds of bitterness and anger toward men in me, which was complicating all of my relationships. And so I was married in 1985. By 1992, I truly hit rock bottom. And at that point, my mother came to visit us. We were living in Brooklyn at the time. And she noticed she was very concerned about my condition. And she was not one to meddle in our married lives. But she even queried my husband and was very concerned. And for no reason that I could have explained at that time, it was really completely irrational from my point of view. I asked her to teach me how to pray the rosary at a point where I was on my way out of religion forever. I couldn't not believe in God. I knew he was there. But I was so angry at God that I raised my fist in the air whenever I prayed. And if I could have physically attacked him, I would have. I was that bitter. Lisa, may I ask, did you go to counseling? How did you deal with your anger and all that pain? I did try some counseling, but it just wasn't getting me there. What I didn't understand at that time, because I thought God wasn't answering my prayers, I felt horribly abandoned. That's why I was so angry. Mm -hmm. What I didn't get, and what I was never taught, is that the sort of spiritual noise of our sins, our unconfessed, unhealed sins, can drown out the gentle voice of God in our lives. So that this this gentle bridegroom who's quietly knocking at the door of our hearts, constantly beseeching us to come to him for healing and for transformation, I didn't understand that. I was a churchgoer, but I wasn't a confession goer, and I really didn't understand the transformative power of those sacraments or how desperately I needed them. So, and so par- I was confused. <laughs> I, I understand and I relate. And so in your confusion, you somehow felt the desire to go on a retreat, and you boarded a train and you took yourself up to the shrine of Our Lady of La Salette. Can you talk about what happened with the stranger on the train and at the retreat to help start your conversion or your reversion? At this time, Joan, because I was so angry at men, Jesus used his mother. He sent Our Lady with one woman after another to guide me piece by piece back to Christ. And so the first piece was a friend that I met in an audition who told me about a book about a woman going on retreat to, because she was in, having an existential crisis. And I thought, oh, I need to do that. So then my mother stepped in and helped me find a safe, inexpensive place, a Catholic shrine that had a dormitory where I could go. 
And then on the very overcrowded train from New York to Providence, Rhode Island, their only seat available was next to a young woman who poured out her heart to me and witnessed to the way Christ had saved her abusive marriage, had transformed both her and her husband, and had saved her father's soul on his deathbed. And by the, the four hours to Providence went by, it felt like five minutes. And at the end of it, she turned to me and said, Lisa, I've never done this before. I've never witnessed to a stranger. And so then I get to the shrine and I was in more pain than I could bear. I mean, it really was physically hurting me. I felt like I was dying of something. And, and I just was in my room a lot crying or walking the grounds. I prayed the rosary every day, not even knowing what I was doing, not even having a sense of Mary as a real person, just praying blindly. And I was also receiving Holy Communion every day, which I should not have been because I was not in a state of grace and I was certainly not repentant. But I couldn't stay away. That's what still, I still marvel at that, that I couldn't stay away from Christ in the Eucharist, but I was still so angry with him that I felt like the host was going to burst into flames on my tongue. And then one night, and I also met someone who loved Therese of Lisieux, which I'd never met anyone before who loved a Catholic saint, and that launched my curiosity about her. But one night, at the, really the depths of despair, I was walking alone on the grounds, and they had beautiful life-sized Stations of the Cross and statues of Our Lady of La Salette, and then a huge larger-than-life crucifix as well. And so I ended up at, in front of the statue of Our Lady, and I just poured everything out. And I mean years of bitterness and anger and accusations, and of course everybody was blamed but me in this telling of my sob story, but I just sobbed and wailed aloud in front of this little statue of Our Lady of La Salette, and I felt like she was listening to me. And when I was spent and exhausted, I just stood there looking into the face of Our Lady and this statue, and I suddenly heard words in my heart that I had never heard before. In fact, I'd never experienced this, words that were not my own, clearly spoken into my heart, and she said, go see my son. And so, convinced that she'd spoken to me, I went down the steps, down the hill, and then to the bottom of these, this big stair, stone staircase leading up to this gigantic crucifix. And of course, I knew that penitents would have gone up it on their knees humbly. So I stomped up those steps, and I confronted this big man on the cross who I loathed, and I let him have it with both barrels. I told him the whole ugly story again. I cried and wailed and just dumped it all at his feet, and then I stood there defiantly waiting for him to speak to me as his mother had, and he said nothing. So I went off to my dormitory just disgusted and exhausted and went to sleep. But the next morning when I awoke, all of my bitterness was gone. There was no pain. I wasn't heavy and discouraged anymore. I wasn't happy. But I had been healed, and I knew that Jesus had been the source of that healing. And that led, within a few days, to my attending a women's retreat on the grounds and going to reconciliation. And the healings and little signs and wonders just started to proliferate after that. And my life began, really, truly began. All right, Lisa, I, I don't want to interrupt. This is so beautiful. I hope our listeners are enjoying the the gut-wrenching truth that Elisa is sharing and and also realizing that what is deepest in our hearts really comes as a gift from the Lord. Her, her great desire for healing and, and for wholeness and for love, our Lord even gave that to her. He told Julian of Norwich, 
Juliana of Norwich that the desires that we have deepest in our hearts he gives to us because he wants to fulfill those desires. Lisa, this is such a hope-filled story and I love the part about Our Lady, how she does lead us deeply into the arms of her son. We have to take a short break. I can't wait to hear the learning on the other side of your conversion. What an adventure. It's so inspiring, Lisa. Thank you for sharing, and we'll we'll take a, a brief break, and then we'll be back and hear all the rest of your adventure. Hello, I'm Juliana Taimarazi from the Iraqi Christian Relief Council in Chicago. Our culture needs Catholic radio as a tool for evangelization and catechesis. As a powerful platform, Catholic radio brings Christ to us all and brings us closer to Christ. Get the real Catholic news from Catholic radio. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Hi, this is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore, wishing the fullness of God's blessings upon all those who will soon be receiving the sacrament for the first time. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild being baptized, receiving their first Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information, including a virtual tour, is available on Facebook. Hello and welcome back to Spotlight. We're interviewing Lisa Mladnik, Catholic author, former actress, wife, mom, author, and presenter, and catechist. She gives catechism classes and she even teaches with puppets, I read on her website. By the way, her website is www.amazingcatechists.com. That's with an S, amazingcatechists.com. Look her up and invite her to your area because Lisa has a very profound, wonderful, inspiring story to tell of her lostness and her being found. So we're in the being found part. And Lisa, you at the retreat, Our Lady led you to Jesus. You begged for a voice from him or something and you had nothing. And the next day you woke up in great peace It seems to me like what you did was empty yourself at the foot of the cross, and Jesus filled that emptiness. Will you tell us now the steps of filling that you received from the Lord, what he did for you? 
Yes, thank you. Um, first of all, I'd just like to point out that God can handle our anger, that I gave him everything I had, and he responded with mercy. And so for anyone out there who is really in horrific pain and you don't think God likes you anymore, he wants you with all his heart and he is ready to hold you in his arms. What he did with me in drawing me back into the sacrament of re reconciliation was to start to clean up my act. I mean, it was just automatic. I stopped the bad language and I stopped, I started throwing out books and other media that just were not appropriate and things like that. Just, it was just so natural at that point to start to want to cling to him. He filled me with a hunger to know him better. So I started to attend Catholic conferences and at that time listen to tapes. We didn't have CDs back then. And also to read good books. And I remember thinking, I wish I could just hole up in a monastery somewhere just to learn my faith for a a year or two. That's all I wanted to do. And I was praying the rosary every day. And now, instead of just praying it by rote and in kind of an empty, agonized, desperate way, clinging to Our Lady, I was now feeling her presence at my side as I prayed it. And I was seeing the mysteries. I felt like I was stepping into a technicolor, imaginative world where the mysteries unfolded before me. I would be at the foot of the cross or be at the, the manger kneeling in the hay next to baby Jesus. I mean, I really just, that honeymoon period of coming close to God was an incredible homecoming. And it was mass every day, rosary every day, and frequent confessions. And I have to say, confession is one of those sacraments that people neglect, and it's a tragedy. Because as awkward and strange as it is to go into a confessional and speak aloud, our sins to another sinner, to this beautiful ordained minister of Christ who stands in the person of Christ, but who sins as we do. I mean, it's a strange thing we think to do. But Jesus gave us this sacrament because he is present there and heals us when we confess. And what I noticed is a few things. One is that I would confess a sin and then some part of my life that I didn't realize was connected with the wounds of that sin would be healed. And when I started to, I was praying the Our Father with the rosary every day and I started to hear, forgive us our sins as we forgive. And this is a great time in the year of mercy to talk about this. The more we seek to forgive, the more God meets us where we are. Because I didn't have a strong desire to forgive, I just knew I should. But he met me where I was at and he poured on the graces. And I noticed that other people, people I was forgiving, I could see them being liberated step by step along with me, some of them at a distance, where the channels of love and understanding started to open up between us through God's mercy, through his graces just pouring into my life. Lisa, may I just uh, quote sure. you something from your book? You said, I would lovingly offer the pain of a wound that you were feeling for the good of the person who had made me so unhappy with no strings attached. You would offer it for them. And then you say, the instant I chose to forgive, it was like the spiritual chains had been removed from those I was asking God to release from my debt. So you actually saw changes in them. Yes, I did. And I also no longer felt like a victim. As soon as you start to say, Lord, with, and this was by God's grace, believe me, I'm not a heroic person. This was a, a moment of heroic grace given to me just to teach me and show me that the cross, that sacrifice really is at the, should be at the center of our lives and that it has enormous power, blindingly beautiful, radiant power to transform our lives. And so in that moment, in one particular moment that I describe in the book where I said I was in abject, just horrible pain over something that someone had done, and I just said, I had a moment of grace and said, Lord, I offer this pain 
for that person's well-being. No strings attached, and I've got, obviously, God's grace. And from that moment on, I suddenly felt calm. I felt like that victimhood had just kind of left me, and it was very empowering. Lisa, I want to quote you again from yourself. It was the beginning of the realization that suffering truly has redemptive power and that the cross of Jesus can and should be the center of my life. How beautiful. Thank you. Amen. And also you have another something you shared about suffering from Mother Teresa. Suffering is the sharing and the passion of Christ. Suffering is this, and I think this is from Mother Teresa, is the kiss of Jesus, Mm -hmm. a sign that you have come so close to Jesus on the cross that he can kiss you. Yes, that's right. You get a kiss from the divine king when you're really in pain. He is really close to you. You are you are right inside his sacred heart. Lisa, is that then with with all this empowerment, how is it that you came to want to write about true radiance? Well, radiance refers to that connection with Christ and the soul. Christ is the, the source and summit of all that is good and beautiful and true. So if women are hardwired to appreciate beauty, and beauty is a concept that belongs to God. Of course, it's been perverted in our culture, so we don't really understand it well. But when we grow closer to Jesus Christ, which is this process, God just showed me at a certain point in my life when I was dealing with my own aging as a woman. I went through menopause a few years ago, and the aging just in my face and skin and everything in my body, my energy levels all started to just accelerate. I felt that he was starting to show me that as the world would consider me to be less beautiful, less relevant, less impactful in the world, that my authentic beauty in him, because of his grace, was actually increasing. And so it became, uh, we women are natural mothers, we want to share what we have of value. And so when it became clearer to me that this was an important topic, and I had a lot of help developing the idea from some beautiful women at Servant Books, then it just, it started to develop into something that I wanted to share, and I interviewed lots of women about their own walk with God and their own spiritual maturing process. And we all have so much in common. As we grow closer to Jesus, we start to think of our lives in terms of giving our lives to God and service. And we have our eyes on heaven as our goal rather than what someone thinks of us or whether we're aging more rapidly than somebody else. We we start to grow in the spiritual life and that beauty really does increase and make a difference in the world. I'd like to tell our listeners the name of the book is True Radiance, Finding Grace in the Second Half of Life by Lisa Mladnik. You know, you can find this book at your local Catholic bookstore or even Bards and Nobles or go to her website at www.amazingcatechists.com. People who have reviewed your book, Lisa, write glowingly about it. They say it's guaranteed to lift your spirits. And I think, was it you yourself who said, sacrifice, not self-interest, is the fast lane to joy. I think yeah. this is the heart of your book, right? I think it is. It absolutely is. We have to, we have to be able to kind of hunker down and lean into humility here. Trust in God's ways. The world is selling us false messaging all the time because they want our money. You know, it's a really greedy machine out there. By degrading us and making us feel bad about ourselves, they get their hands on our beauty dollars and they... And they entice us to buy magazines so we can 
gawk at models and actresses and people like that instead of looking at Christ keep our eyes on the cross so that our true authentic beauty just grows and grows some years ago I was at a wedding and some of the younger people at the wedding almost attacked the the celebrant the priest because he had preached on sacrifice as the bedrock of marital life and they tried to pick it apart and I thought then that's the world today sacrifice yeah. it, it, they don't recognize the value the meaning behind sacrifice and this priest preached so eloquently about laying down our lives for one another and here you have a book with testimony to the to the truth of what happens when you do lay down your life for one another you want to speak about that? Well, I do have an example in my book of my friend Jane, who was going through the sort of the chemotherapy and the anti-tumor drugs, and it was creating cognitive problems for her. And she discovered during Lent that she and her husband were both attorneys, and it was always that he would get up early with the kids and get them off to school and make their lunches and stuff because she wasn't a morning person, and it seemed fair to her at the time because she was a law school feminist, and you didn't do anything for kids under five they couldn't do for themselves and all that. But when she was her intelligence was kind of suppressed by all the medications. She came to a place of simplicity and kind of lost her grip on that intellectual pride and realized that it made no sense at all. And she started to serve her family humbly. She started getting up early, taking care of the children, helping her husband so he'd have more time to go to the gym in the morning because he's such a good guy. And she wanted to do that for him. And the joy that exploded in her family life when she started to really give of herself blew her mind. And by the time she went to Mass at 8.30 each morning, she'd already given all this love to other people. And her whole day was imbued with that beauty and that sweetness. And she was just shocked at it. You know, God's ways are surprising. The world points its finger and screams at us for it. But sacrifice is the fast lane to joy, not selfishness. What the thought I just had is that when you give in the name of Christ, you don't give it away. You are replenished. Oh, you're yes. not emptied. You're filled. Absolutely. Beyond your wildest hopes and dreams. Isn't that God wonderful? just blesses it so much. Now, I know we're, we're coming to the end of our interview. Before we do, we have a couple of minutes, Lisa. There's a part of your book that I absolutely love, and it's your whole take on menopause and the short memory, declining, brain fog, mood swings, night sweats, and then <laughs> how you discovered in your eating habits how to get through this. Can you, in less than one minute, tell us what you were eating, such as grains and bowls of chopped nuts and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, God was just kind of, you know, I've always been kind of an investigator with diet because I have various dietary things going on. But a friend remarked about going off gluten for her thyroid, and I went off gluten, and it cured my thyroid disease, so that when I was going through menopause, I started investigating food. And I read a book called Grain Brain, and it encouraged me to try reducing grains in my diet. But it also did another thing. I added more nuts and seeds, and those have folates and omega-3s in them. And so the, the memory lapses I was having started to really go way, way, way down, and I started to have more energy. So for me, reducing grains and eating more omega-3s and folates, which are, and you can look that up very easily, where to find those, it's good to get it in real foods, those really helped my brain fog to clear up substantially. And you know what I like? No more naps. 
productivity and morale improved. I love it. I love it. I relate. I need this. We get so tired with menopause. It just knocks us And re- real quick, what kind of nuts? I love them all. I love pecans and walnuts and slivered almonds. And, and just cashews. chop them all up, right? Oh, and chia seeds and oh. flax. This is so Throw fun. Lisa, you're a total person. You're a, a <laughs> gift to, to women and to God and to me today. Thank you for this beautiful interview. Go to www.amazingcatechist.com and meet Lisa. She's beautiful and invite her to talk to your group or your parish and to teach your children. She does puppet shows. So, Lisa, thank you for your time. We have to go now. Lisa Maladnik, for all of us here at WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, I'm Joan McHugh. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you, Lisa, and everyone listening. Thank you. God bless. This has been WSFI Spotlight. For more information on this or any other program, email info at wsfiradio.org. This is Father Joseph Mary Wolf from EWTN. Catholic Radio is important because you reach people where they are. Often people may be traveling in their cars, they may be at home doing other things, and they can still be growing in their faith. They could be participating in prayers. That We have all of these stories of people who were touched by what they heard on the network. They came into the Catholic faith and many other stories of how people's lives were changed for the better through Catholic Radio. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Did you know you can listen to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio online? Visit WSFIRadio.org and click on Listen Live. That's WSFIRadio.org and Listen Live. Hello, I'm Joe Scheidler, host of Pro-Life Today on WSFI Catholic Radio 88.5 FM. It's a half-hour conversation with leaders in the pro-life movement committed to protecting the most vulnerable among us. That's every Monday at 3.30 p.m. Or listen anytime by subscribing to our podcast. Visit WSFIRadio.org for more information. That's Pro-Life Today, every Monday at 3.30 p.m. only on WSFI Catholic Radio.